We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'll give you more examples demonstrating the clueless response, the vacuous arguments from today's teachers when it comes to the debate as to whether or not child pornography should be permitted in our classrooms, in our school libraries. And I also might get into the discussion of school choice and whether or not you should be for government funding. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Thanks so much for listening into the show. I'm very grateful to all of you who have become routine listeners. And I'm also very thankful to all of you who have been loyal enough to copy and then paste and post your favorite episodes of The Rebellion out there in your social media. Facebook, Parler, MeWe, Gab, Getter, whatever you use, Twitter, all of the above. Thank you so much for copying and pasting links to your favorite episodes of The Rebellion. I'm very grateful for that. Now, if you listen to the show on radio, you can do the same by going to my website, dreverpiper.com, and then just click on the menu bar on the top of the page, and it'll take you to podcasts. And you'll see that every episode of The Rebellion is uploaded as a podcast essentially immediately after it airs live in KOKL Radio down in Okmulgee in Oklahoma. So you can listen to it both ways, but all of you, whether you listen on radio or via online, can post your favorite episodes so that other people join the rebellion. Thank you for doing that, and please continue to do so. And don't forget that if you'd like to subscribe to the rebellion, you can go to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. Again, thanks to all of you. So today's topic is education. Now, if you listen to the show frequently, which many of you do, you know that that's one of my go-to topics. And why? Well, because I was in education almost my entire career. I had a brief stint where I was an administrator for Bowling Green State University while I was working on my master's degree there. And then, essentially, every job I've had thereafter has been in the Christian Academy, the Christian colleges and universities. I was a dean of students at Greenville College. I was a vice president of student development, a vice president for advancement, a vice president for admissions. I was special assistant to the president at my alma mater, Spring Arbor University. And then I came to Oklahoma Wesleyan University back in 2001-2002, where I assumed the presidency and served there for 17, almost 18 years. We had a great run at Oklahoma Wesleyan University where we moved the institution from near bankruptcy to a school that was cited by Bain, as in Bain Capital, as one of the uh, institutions in the top quartile, one of the top 25% of the most financially viable institutions in the nation. So I love education. Education changed my life. Education was my career. So when you hear me become critical of education, I'm not anti-education. 
I'm not anti-college or anti-university. In fact, I'm very much for it. What I'm critical of is the mindless, the mindless acceptance of today's academic professionals, whether they be school superintendents, teachers, professors, college presidents, or whatnot, the mindless acceptance of these academic professionals of the contemporary narrative, of the postmodern progressive narrative, of critical race theory, of critical theory, of uh, Black Lives Matter, of LGBTQIA, of all things popular and woke. I mean, every time I hear of one of my former peers or colleagues, and I say former because I've retired from the ivory tower, and now I do this on a daily basis, and I do a little small-time farming ranching in northeast Oklahoma. I enjoy raising my horses and playing with my cows, and as you know, I'm also running for county commissioner. So this is my life. I do these podcasts and these radio shows, and I write a weekly column, an opinion piece for the Washington Times, but my heart is in education because I know it can change a person's life for the good. I know that it can change a culture for the good. But I also know that education, if it becomes rotten, is poisonous. And I would argue that our educational establishment, the academic professionals of our day, of our time, are lost. They've imbibed the Kool-Aid to such an extent that they literally can't think clearly any longer. And on today's show, I'm going to share a little bit more of this story of how I was challenged for my position in supporting Senator Rob Standridge and his effort to establish some legislation, some law that would make it difficult and painful for a teacher or a superintendent or a principal in Oklahoma public schools to ignore a parent's concern if a parent is making the claim that the school actually has pornography in the curriculum or in the school's library. And I applaud Senator Standridge for doing that, and I'm just stunned. Nothing, nothing ceases to amaze me, I guess, but I am stunned by the shallow, the intellectual vacuity that some of these people who are professional educators bring to the table when they want to challenge you or me on our objections to child porn in our public schools. So on today's show, I'm going to share another example of how lost our teachers are. And I might get into the topic of school choice and what I think you should be doing about it if you're interested in um, private schools for your kids or your grandkids or homeschooling, etc. And this movement of school choice and how it should be funded. Let's take a break, and when I get back, we'll talk about these topics and perhaps more. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Okay, first let's get into um, tying a bow around the discussion that I started yesterday and in yesterday's show with regard to this response I received when I posted support for Senator Rob Standridge and his efforts to actually empower parents to have some legal clout, some legal authority when it comes to challenging their schools, school superintendents, principals, and the teachers. If those educational professionals refuse to listen to parental concerns when it comes to some of this pornography that's being peddled in our schools right now, and that is true. I shared with you the examples of a couple books, Gender Queer by Maia Kobabi, and also the Bluest Eyes by Toni Morrison. 
And I talk, the, I talk to you about the problems of those two books, and they're very, very big problems. I won't belabor it now, but you know that Kababi's book, Genderqueer, actually has graphic pictures of pornography. There's no getting around it. Adult and child sex, homosexual acts, uh, oral sex, they have graphic pictures. Kababi has graphic pictures in that book of those particular acts. That's a fact. You can Google it if you wish. I'm not going to talk to you more about that other than to say, if you don't object to that, then there's something wrong with you. And in fact, I challenge you, like I challenged this teacher who was taking me to task on Facebook. I said, fine, if you think this stuff is just a minor infraction, if you think Toni Morrison's book, which contains a full-page description of incestuous rape, a father raping his daughter, if you think this is just a few lines of uncomfortable verbiage to quote this woman, I give her a pseudonym so that uh, I'm not identifying her and outing her on radio or on this podcast. So we'll call her Linda Smith. If Linda Smith, a teacher here in Oklahoma, actually thinks, and that's her quote, that Toni Morrison's one-page description of incestuous rape, salacious description of a father raping his daughter, is just a few lines of uncomfortable verbiage, her quote, then something's wrong with you. Something is desperately wrong with you, in your heart, in your mind, and in your soul. If you can't think clearly enough to recognize that this is porn, to describe that, and to have minors reading that in our public schools. And I don't care whether you're a minor or whether you're an adult of age. This is garbage, and you should not be reading it. She equated it to the Bible. She actually said, well, I've got news for you. I'm paraphrasing right now. If you want to ban books that, have, that talk about nudity and incest and rape, then you might want to consider what the Bible says. And how crazy is this? The Bible does not contain graphic pictures of oral sex or homosexual sex. The Bible prohibits these things, yes, talks about these things, tells us that these things are harmful, unhealthy, and sin. There's nothing in the Bible that salaciously describes them. There's a difference, again, I've talked about this before on the show, there's a difference between descriptive literature and prescriptive literature. There's a difference between poetry and prose and parables and prophecies. The Bible has all of these genres of literature contained therein, and you have to read it in context. So when you read about Noah's daughters and them... Um, sleeping with him when he was drunk. Yes, this is a bad story. It's a bad thing. It shouldn't have happened. And I think that's the point when the Bible brings it up. But does it talk about it in salacious detail? Absolutely not. And the fact that this woman, a teacher, can't see that, I think is evidence of how poorly prepared your teachers are to deal with the issues of the day. They should be teaching your kids how to count and that biology is a fact. They should be teaching them that the Constitution is good and not bad. They should be teaching them that our free republic, a constitutional republic, is superior to socialism and com communism and why. But no, what they're talking about is LGBTQIA, SJW, BLM, CRT, etc., etc., etc. They're talking about the lunacy of the alphabet and subjective identity rather than rather than talking about and teaching the things that matter. Now, as you know from yesterday's show, as I was debating this issue with this woman that I've called Lori Smith, 
for the sake of protecting her identity on this show, on this podcast, and on this radio show. I'll call her Lori Smith. She challenged me, and I pushed back. We went back and forth on this issue of whether or not these books should be in our schools, whether or not it's just a few lines of uncomfortable literature or verbiage, or whether or not it's <laughs> it's porn, and it should be rejected by any thoughtful educator as being inappropriate for our schools. I obviously took the latter position, and she was dodging. She wouldn't respond. I tried to corner her and said, well, if it isn't inappropriate, if it's not all that objectionable, if it's just a few lines of uncomfortable verbiage, then you copy and paste that entire one-page description of incestuous rape from Toni Morrison's book, and you post it right here on this Facebook page for everybody to see it, and you defend it. And I said, you won't do it because you know, you know that it's indefensible. And she never did. She never, she never posted any of the stuff. She didn't post Kababi's pictures from Genderqueer, and she wouldn't post Toni Morrison's quote from The Bluest Eyes. And again, I would argue there's a reason for that. She knows that if she were to post that, it would expose the graphic nature of the evil that she's trying to defend. Plus, there's a possibility that she would expose herself to investigation for posting inappropriate material on on social media. I'm not going to post the stuff. I'm just telling you what it looks like, and I'm telling you what it says. I'm not going to post it, even though I think it would be so shocking that it would prove my point. I wouldn't have to say another word. I'm not going to have somebody knocking on my door because I posted that stuff, and she won't do it either. Because she knows, intuitively, in her heart, she knows it's wrong and it's indefensible. So she dodges that, and she moves to this tactic. She actually says this, and I'm going to quote her right now. She says, in your words, in your own words, she's referring to me, and then she quotes, in his mind, the speaker was wrong for making him and his peers feel uncomfortable. Close quote. Do you know who said that? I did. She's quoting from my book, Not a Daycare. That's what she's quoting. She's quoting from the scenario in Not a Daycare where I describe how we had a student at Oklahoma Wesleyan University who was upset because the speaker, the chapel speaker, in his sermon, in his homily, made the kid feel uncomfortable. The kid confronted the speaker afterwards and challenged him and said, we don't like what you said. You compromised our safe space. You triggered us. You made us feel uncomfortable. So she thinks that by challenging me with that quote of my own, that she's got me. Here's what she says next. Now let's look at that statement again, she says. And let's put your name in place of the student. And then she says this. In Piper's mind, the speaker, Toni Morrison, was wrong for making him and his peers feel uncomfortable, close quote. Then Lori Smith says this. This is a direct quote from the op-ed you wrote about the university not being a daycare. I realize that you are older, but try to keep up. Okay, now she's getting condescending. She's getting into chronological snobbery. I guess because I've got gray hair, that makes me dumber than her? Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Your quote is hypocritical. I substituted your name where the, where the student's was and Toni Morrison where your name went. 
And maybe now you can see how the shoe fits when it's on your own foot and not the student's. Aside from the fact that that's a poorly constructed paragraph and poorly written sentence, I think you get her point. She's basically saying that I'm guilty of doing the same thing that this student did when he pointed his finger at the speaker and said, you made me feel uncomfortable. I don't like it. You compromise my safe space. She's challenging me and you, if you agree with me, on, in your concerns with regard to pornography in our schools. She's challenging me. She's challenging you. She's challenging Senator Rob Standridge, and she's saying, you all are guilty of doing the exact same thing as this student that Piper criticized in his not-a-daycare commentary, that the university is not a daycare. It's not a safe space. It's a place where you learn. It's not a place where you feel comfortable. We're going to challenge you. We're not going to comfort you and coddle you. Well, if you really believe that, Piper, if you really believe that, you prudish parents out there that are aligning yourself with Piper and Senator Standridge, if you all really believe that education is a time for you to be challenged with new ideas, ideas that make you feel a little uncomfortable at times, then why in the world are you railing against Toni Morrison's book, The Bluest Eyes, and Maia Kababi's book, Gender Queer, and other books that you don't like? Aren't you being a little hypocritical? That's what she's saying. Now, do you think she's got a good point? Absolutely not. And you want me to tell you why? <laughs> How is it possible that she has missed the irony that she just conflated and compared St. Paul's quintessential love chapter of the Bible 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, with child porn and incestuous rape. That's what she just did. Because the kid that I'm talking about in not a daycare was offended by 1 Corinthians 13. That was the topic of the sermon that bothered him. Love is patient, love is kind. The least, of, least offensive passage of all of the Bible made him feel uncomfortable, made him feel guilty, and he complained about it, and he told the speaker that he had singled out him and his peers and that they felt guilty, and therefore the speaker was wrong, not him. This woman, this teacher that's confronting me and debating me right now thinks that's the same thing as you or me or Senator Standridge feeling uncomfortable with child rape and graphic images of oral sex and homosexuality in the books that are being peddled and promoted to your kids in our public schools. She thinks this is the same thing? Again, talk about the poster child of irony. This is the, the state of the intellect, of the moral intelligence, the social intelligence. This is the state of today's education. This woman is the poster child of what you're dealing with in public schools. I'm not saying every teacher is this vacuous and this off base. There are good teachers out there, and some of you are listening to me right now. I'm your biggest champion. Good for you. Thank you for fighting the good fight. I appreciate you walking into the belly of the beast, fearless and confident, challenging it and refusing to back down. Good for you. You're our last defense 
in this battle, this culture war. We appreciate you, and I'm thankful for you. I'm not criticizing you. But for everyone else listening right now who has even a modicum of sympathy for this woman's argument, stop and think about what she just did, what she just said. She thinks she's won the debate because I challenged a kid for being offended by 1 Corinthians 13. She thinks that's the same thing as me being offended and you being offended by Kababi's graphic pictures of oral sex. We've lost our minds. Our educational establishment can't think its way out of her paper bag if we align with this woman's logic or lack thereof. I challenged her over and over again. I tried to do what I think Jesus did in his style of apologetics. Now, I was probably uncharitable at times, and in fact, I apologized to her privately for being uncharitable because I was aggravated, and I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that when I said, what rock are you living under? It's probably not the most Christ-like thing I could have said. I could have avoided that statement. But all of the logic, all of the points I was trying to make, in rebuttal to hers, I stand by. And the one that I kept going back to, which I would term Jesus' style of apologetics, was the rhetorical point. The simple point was, well, if you don't think there's anything wrong with this, then post the pictures. If you don't think there's anything wrong with Toni Morrison's description of rape, then post the passage and defend it. Let everybody see it. Pick up the stone and throw it. Don't stand there with your stones dangling at your waist, afraid to throw them for fear that you actually might be found out. No, pick up the stone and throw it. Let us all see it. And she refused. She refused. And I said it over and over again, until you're willing to post those pictures and post that passage out of Morrison's book, then this debate's over. Because that's the point. You can try to draw some sort of false equivalency between 1 Corinthians 13 and graphic pictures of oral sex or a one-page description of incestuous rape, but that is insane. And everybody that is watching this debate on my Facebook thread knows it. And you know it too as you're listening right now to me give you this description of this give and take. People, this is the nature of today's education. This is why I criticize it over and over again. This is why critical race theory needs to be confronted because it's driven by emotion. It's not driven by facts. It's driven by the deconstruction of actual history and the reconstruction of the 1619 Project in its place. And the 1619 Project is not historically accurate, but they don't care. It's about the deconstruction of biology and genetics and physiology and the reconstruction of this fake human being that is fluid rather than factual, that changes with the, the wind, that is neither male nor female. It's about the deconstruction of common sense language and the reconstruction of pronouns that make no sense. Plural pronouns being used to refer to the singular. Male pronouns being used to refer to the female and vice versa. This is nuts. This is crazy. 
And where it leads is to this vacuous territory, this, this nihilistic world of not being able to even understand that child porn has no place in our classrooms or in our schools. And that any average person, any normal person, anybody with a head on their shoulders when they saw when they see or when they saw or when they see these pictures, if they saw them in the past or they see them in the present, would recognize that they're wrong. Or anyone who reads this passage out of Morrison's book would recognize that this has no place in our schools. And it's not the same as the Bible's description of Noah and his daughters. It's not even close. It's portraying rape in a salacious manner rather than a manner that's condemning. Rather than in a manner that says you don't do this, it just gives you this lengthy description of it being done and leaves the students dangling in this moral no-man's land where they're supposed to figure it out on their own. With the teacher not telling them what's right or wrong, what's good or bad, what's evil and what's not. This is what's going on in our schools, and this is why I criticize them all the time. And this is why you need school choice. You have to have an option to pull your kids out of these schools, and I support school choice without equivocation. I don't have time to get into it in today's show. I'll deal with it in a subsequent program. But the bottom line is this. I firmly believe that our public schools are lost unless the free market corrects them or a revival of heart, mind, and soul corrects them. Perhaps both. But you have to have the ability to send your kids to a school that isn't teaching this crap. But unfortunately, a lot of people listening or a lot of people that want that ability, want that option to send their kids to better schools, don't have the finances to do so because you're taxed so heavily right now and your tax dollars, your money is being used to pay for this nonsense and it's all spent. You can't use it in your own schools for your own purposes, for your own kids because the government takes it from you and then wastes it on this pablum. And there's a solution to that. It's called school choice, but the devil's in the details. The devil's in the details as to whether or not the government should in should be involved in this distribution of vouchers that's being discussed right now. I'll talk about that issue in a subsequent program. Be careful not to eat the poison apple. The legislation, the laws, the bills that are being crafted for school choice need to make it clear that the money coming back to you is a tax credit. It's not financial aid. It's not a government grant. It's your money. It's a tax credit coming back to you with no strings attached for you to use to spend on the school of your choice for your kids. That's the only way school choice will work. Otherwise, you're going to have the government involved in homeschooling and private schools just as much as they are in private colleges and universities right now, and that's bad news. We'll talk about that perhaps in Monday's show. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.